What happened? What just happened? Yeah, so we just watched the Oscars last night. What happened? That is the general consensus on the reaction is, uh, what was that? <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Dude. It's pretty bizarre. What was that? It happens every hundred years. Does it happen? I have a stat. Can I read a stat to you? Hit me up with those stats. 57.2 million people tuned in to see Titanic in 1998 to win Best Picture. Last night, 9.85 million tuned in to watch whatever the heck that was. Yeah, certainly the biggest drop-off. Uh, I think it's been on a downward slope for you know, 20, 30 years, but last year's where Parasite won, it was still like 25, 30 million people tuning in. And so to actually hit sub 10 million is so funny. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense when you think about how the Oscars is no longer, you know, an event. It's losing its luster for a lot of reasons. Like in-home entertainment is different than it was 20, 30 years ago. But also the Academy is not doing themselves any favors. <laughs> yeah. They seem to be shooting themselves in the foot every year with another new bullet. <laughs> like this year it was so bizarre, even with the COVID stuff because we're in a new venue. I do think COVID was a big contributor. Yeah, but even outside of COVID, putting them in these restrictions, like this weird venue, it was like a high Where school gym. Like round tables. They were in a train station. Oh, yeah. But like a lot of the other decisions they made, I think Soderbergh was producing or something. But like, for instance, not showing clips for most of the nominees, where in a year especially, where most of the people watching probably hadn't even seen all these movies. Right because of the streaming stuff. Stram. Stram. And it was so bizarre. Like, everything felt kind of weird. You know, some of the presenters and acceptors were like... Yeah. The way off. it was shot was different. You could kind of tell it was... They tried to get a little bit more artsy with it. They shot a lot of things with high depth of field. And so it gave it like a different look where it almost looked cinematic instead of TV-like. And then them all sitting around round tables and having the presenters be in a place that was like behind the person the people would often have to turn around and look at them if they needed to get their attention and that was always strange because nobody that was there was ever smiling or laughing or seemed happy to be there so not only was it awkward because most of the people sitting in these round tables would have to shift their whole bodies to look at the presenter but it seemed like nobody wanted to be there yeah especially Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> <laughs> right at the end. Yeah, and all this because, like, apparently Steven Soderbergh was put in charge of, you know, he's a director, producer, filmmaker, put in charge of how this Oscars was supposed to look. And he was trying to play off of the pandemic and making it a more intimate Oscars. And that's why things look the way they look. And people were sitting around these round tables in their own separate groups. And they were talking about how the filmmakers got their start in the business and uh, that's why there were less clips being played and all the decisions that you saw in this, I think, were because of what Steven Soderbergh was trying to do. But it was crazy how much people just didn't seem happy. I think that really begs the question of whether we do need a host. I think we do need a host that's a comedian. I mean, if you think back to like the great days of 
you know, Billy Crystal being a host and everything that he brought to the Oscar night, you know, he made it a huge spectacle. He would do these grand openings where he would do uh, spoofs on all the popular movies of that year. He would insert himself into all of them and even got the actors to play, reprise their roles for them sometimes. And it was just a fantastic time. And he would talk often of the grandeur of what it means to have the Academy Awards and you know, how special it actually was to be nominated and be recognized by your peers and so forth. So this was just... Kind of all over the place. Yeah. Even before we start talking about the awards themselves. <laughs> yeah. Especially how it ended. They uh, did... The so best, bizarre. Best Picture was the third to last award uh, last night because for whatever reason, they went Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Actor, I think. And it seems as though the producers or whoever was running the show in the moment thought it would be a good idea to switch those up because everyone was seemingly perhaps assuming that Chadwick Boseman was going to get the best actor win and then there would be this heartfelt send-off tribute at the end and that's how they would wrap the show that'd have been nice but Anthony Hopkins takes it and he's not even there he's asleep in England (laughs) and wakes up the next morning and his acceptance speech on social media was like oh this is quite a surprise (laughs) Thank you very much. I didn't expect to win at 83, said. Yeah, apparently it's only a second win. Probably with... Coming after his Hannibal. Yeah. yeah. But he gave a nice tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Holy cow, man. This was just such a weird three hours of television, as well as the people (laughs) that actually won. Yeah, so let's talk about that. (laughs) Uh, Okay, we should just say at the outset... I hate the Oscars. (laughs) (laughs) Well, honestly, looking at last night's whatever that was has really made me all the glamour and I guess the feeling that I used to get from watching the Oscars was just gone from whatever happened in that presentation. It just really did not feel like this larger than life, Hollywood, all the most popular stars in entertainment come together and agree upon the people that are receiving these massive achievement awards. It was just, there was no mystery. There was no beauty behind it. There was no elegance. It was just really weird. The whole thing felt so awkward and strange for all the reasons that we just mentioned. But on top of that, I want to say that for me personally, I mean, you can also speak for yourself, but a lot of who I was hoping to win did not win. And also on top of that, a lot of the people that I was expecting to win just because of them actually being deserving to win did not win either. So it was sort of a disappointing night for the presentation itself and how the Oscars were presented to us. And then also for the actual winners. I don't know if you felt the same way about the winners though. Uh, and losers. Not to the same extent. I do agree with the the show as a production, though. Like the cha- it's the times are changing, and even though this was a particularly unfortunate yeah. debacle, <laughs> you know, due to things that are both in and out of control for the Academy, whatever. Uh, it was bizarre, and I think I'm really curious to see if they'll make a rebound next year, or if this is just like the final nail in the coffin for things like the Academy Awards, because the future of entertainment is very different than. What it was when, I'd say when we were growing up, but I'm, you know, younger than you are, our previous generations, it's thing, it's changed. So as far as the awards go specifically and my reaction to them personally, yeah, <laughs> they were kind of all over the place in my opinion, but it makes sense. I try not to fall to confirmation bias, you know, hindsight right. bias, Yeah. but it, it makes sense, honestly, even though I don't agree with some of the choices. And again, you know, whoever the Academy chooses 
this isn't the definitive list of like the right the best films yeah who deserve to win that kind of thing you know maybe that's what is happening and why the viewership is so low and also why people you know they might be wondering why there's such a drop off of spectators but maybe that's like you're saying the times are changing and people don't really want to hear what hollywood itself has to say about hollywood so to quote, you know, Anthony Mackie in the last episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, who is in the room with you when you're making these decisions? Is, yeah. it, is it the people you're actually affecting or is it more people just like you? And so, you know, why would you want to watch people agree upon these movies and music or whatever it is, winning these awards from other people that are also making the music and movies when even like we were just saying for us personally, we would vote in or give the award to someone else entirely probably. So I think... I felt personally robbed because of <laughs> because of those decisions, and I kind of agree. I mean, if that is the reason people aren't viewing and tuning in, then maybe it's because they're feeling, or they have been feeling what I'm feeling right now for a while, for a long time, or maybe for the last few years, you know? Anyway, let's talk about the more specific awards. I will talk about my favorite part of the night was, uh, I think your favorite as well. Was, oh, yeah. It's when the Best Supporting Actress won. She was the Korean woman. Brad Pitt presented her as Ja Jong Yoon, and then she kind of said her name was Ya Yoon Jun. And so I don't know the difference there. I think maybe the J and the the Y are kind of interchangeable. But she was so hilarious and charming and wonderful. Her reaction and everything that she had to say, her speech, was what I was looking for the entire night to be like. Just people having fun, hanging out, and loving on one another. And it just felt like more traditional old Oscars in that moment because she was so grateful. She was just so wonderful to watch, and she was hitting on Brad Pitt. And it was so funny. I loved that moment so much. Yeah, it was enchanting. Really enchanting. In a word. Yeah, I she was my favorite part of the night, too. And it's really cool to see more recognition for not just Korea specifically, but all these international performers. I mean, yeah. she, she's been huge. I, they they might have made a statement at some point in the show where it's like, she's blowing up. But Yeo Jung Yoon, or however you pronounce her name, she's been a, a staple in South Korea for, I think we said it was like 50, 50 years or so Yeah, in the Minari podcast. But yeah, it was cool to see her. She said this thing to Brad, but she's like, where were you? I wasn't sure if she meant, <laughs> where were you when she was younger? <laughs> no, when they were filming. Yeah, because Brad Pitt produced Minari. He was one of the producers, his company, mm-hmm. Plan B. But yeah, she was one of the finer points of the night, and it was cool. It was it was heartbreaking to watch Thomas Vinterberg talk about his film. Uh, he won for Best International Feature for another round, and he talked about his daughter, um, all the same stuff that we were talking about on the podcast about another round. He uh, said all the same stuff and said how much he made this movie for his daughter that died four days into the production of the film a real tear-jerking speech but really touching i think thomas vinterberg is gonna do a lot of really cool stuff coming up yeah he was very genuine yeah i wish i could have seen mads there with him true because he gave a special shout out to mads at the end of his little speech i loved seeing uh bong joon ho he was presenting the best director award and he got quotes from all of them and talked about how weird it is for people to ask the question like how would you define directing? Mm-hmm. He, he talked about how he hates that question himself. And then he asked that same question to everyone. <laughs> it was really fun. And then the responses of all the nominated directors were really, really cool. Cause it had nothing to do with, 
oh, you're controlling, you know, people and you're casting a vision upon the whole production. It had nothing to do with that. It was all about kind of taking off your own self and putting yourself into someone else's shoes, like that kind of thing, which is is ultimately what directing is. And I think especially this year, though. Really unique perspective. Like thinking about the people that were nominated, uh, it seems especially true for the messages that they were trying to get across in their films. Mm-hmm. Well, who won? <laughs> I was going to say, and so Chloe Zhao won Best Directing. For Nomadland. Her Nomadland. And it wasn't that she was not deserving. I even, if you go back and listen to our Nomadland podcast, I said, she's clearly a brilliant director. This was a beautifully directed movie. That was probably the one good thing I could say about it, really, honestly, was that it was beautifully directed. So there's no doubt that she was deserving for that award. I just personally, if I were to take the eight nominees for Best Picture and rank them, Nomadland would have been the last on my list, personally. I'm sorry for you listeners who <laughs> never want to tune in again after I said that. It's a love it or hate it kind of film. It just doesn't work for some people. I didn't hate it. Well. <laughs> I didn't. Honestly, I mean. Eighth I, of eight. Is, uh... I, just, I just wouldn't. You know when you see a movie and you're like, I don't really feel the need to watch that again. Yeah, but whenever I think of films like that, their films... It wasn't super inspiring for me, if that makes sense. I could recognize the technical feats, but I just wasn't a very inspiring movie to me. So it was just last on my list is all. And then it also won the Best Picture. <sighs> and that's where Stephen lost his mind. One of us. <laughs> One of us in the room did yeah. not take that news very well. So just... For full disclosure, I liked Nomadland a lot. It wasn't my favorite. I agree with Steven that it should have gone to Minari. But I definitely had it in my top half, and I fully expected it to win. I think after Chloe Zhao got Best Director, I was like, it's probably in the bag. Also after the Golden Globes, because a lot of times the Golden Globes are kind of the precursor for what will win in the Oscars. So yeah, I think with Nomadland really taking the big ones at the Golden Globes, I think, you know, the writing was a little bit on the wall. Sometimes it's a surprise, but Frances McDormand then won for Best Actress. Again. She's deserving, for sure. She's really good. I don't know who else I would have given it to. Some people were pulling for Carrie Mulligan in uh, Promising Young Woman. Carrie Mulligan was great. But to be honest, I think Carrie Mulligan's going to do better things. Oh, yeah, for sure. Everyone loves her. (laughs) She's amazing. I think she's got a lot more better roles to come if she keeps acting. She will. And then best, we already said best actor went to Anthony Hopkins, which was strange. It was strange because personally, again, for me personally, I I thought Riz Ahmed deserved to win. The things that he did for that role in Sound of Metal, the the time he learned how to drum and speak sign language and doing it all in an American accent, that dude killed it. He absolutely murdered that role. Chadwick Boseman probably would have been my second choice. And then Stephen Yoon would have been my third. So Anthony Hopkins probably would have been my fourth. Even though Anthony Hopkins was great in a lot of other years, if he didn't have such harsh competition, I would have probably given it to him automatically. But Riza Ahmed, Chadwick Boseman, and Stephen Yoon, just, man, every performance. And then, obviously, Gary Oldman and what he did with Mank was incredible. Absolutely amazing. It was a really tough category. And, and Anthony Hopkins, man, I just did not expect him to win. Especially yeah. I like for him not to be there, <laughs> which I get. I mean, it's during the middle of a pandemic or the end of a pandemic. And he's 83. And he's just <laughs> hanging out at his home in Wales. <laughs> I get it. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was Wales, not England. Yeah, I, I really like The Father. And I do think this is one of Anthony Hopkins' finest performances of his life, if not 
especially considering his age and this play being the movie adaptation being inspired by him or written for him. Uh, I think it was phenomenal. So I I totally agree with it. I do think it is incredibly hard in such a, despite COVID-19, the best actor nominees were all fantastic. And that was with both Daniel Kaluuya and Lake Keith Stanfield in supporting. They weren't even recognized for uh, the lead. But yeah, I, I, I did think they were going to give it to Chadwick, not only because he passed away, but because that performance was probably, in my opinion, the best, I think. Just yeah. really good. Even considering without his death, the things he was going through, really channeling into that role mm-hmm. in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. But yeah, Riz was great, Stephen, Gary. But I, I'm not upset that Anthony won. I'm just surprised, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is cool. I, I do think that was a performance that yeah. will maybe not bookend his, his life's work, but it's certainly going to be something that people remember when they think of Anthony Hopkins mm-hmm. in the second half of his career. Totally. I loved that Sound of Metal one achievement in sound. That was great. It's the one for two. Or... Something we predicted, though. Yeah. And animated feature was Soul, something else that was semi-predictable. It's, like, really hard for that not to win. Um, Pixar. Pete Docter and Dana Murray got up, and they talked about how it started as a love letter to jazz, and then they took the film where it went and made it sort of this existential movie and... It was just uh, such a good movie. I loved that it won. And then original score with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and John Batiste, they all got up and talked about it also for Soul. Well, John Batiste was the only one who spoke, yeah, yeah. which was bizarre. It was weird, especially because Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are really hot right now. And they had two nominations in the category. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't say a word. They didn't say anything. Yeah, they just stood there in the background. It was weird. Yeah. But John Batiste is so likable. He's so charismatic that he's really hard not to enjoy. If there would have had to been one of us to speak, I would have chosen him as well. <laughs> Another really cool thing, Eric Messerschmidt for Mank won for cinematography. And I, I really want to see more of him and what he does in the future. So I really love that he won. Really cool. Ryan, shout out to you. I know that's your homeboy. And then another really funny part of the night that Gabe will remember when I say was when Harrison Ford was presenting Best Editor, he started reading all these criticisms for Blade Runner and how there are all these different versions of Blade Runner and how important editing was. Terrible voiceover. (laughs) He was so out of it. Yeah. Harrison Ford seems like a person who just fell into acting and has never wanted to be in Hollywood ever since. (laughs) Well, at least he's enjoying the money. Sure. Sound of Metal one for Best Editor, by the way. Yeah, the screenplay ones I found were interesting, too. Emerald Fennell won for uh, Best Original with Promising Young Woman, which was interesting. <laughs> and then Best Adapted Screenplay was Florian Zeller for adapting his own play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with Chris Hampton. That's really funny. Who was half asleep in his red chair. <laughs> yeah, the cutaways to the regular Academy Award venue was pretty funny because there were some people there. And then the whole... Brian Cranston. Humanitarian. Which felt like it was one of those commercials like if yeah. you or a loved one has been affected by mesothelioma. <laughs> it's like a it was like a class action lawsuit commercial. Felt weird. He had so much makeup. It was like he was playing a version of himself. It was bizarre. It was Brian Cranston playing Brian Cranston. Yeah. <laughs> uh Daniel Kaluuya won for best supporting actor for his role in uh Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. That was really cool. That was probably actually one of my favorite awards. I was like, yes, he deserved that. Yes, he was great. I'm really glad he won. He was 
super thankful to be up there. And he, he talked about his mom and dad having sex and creating him and how lucky we all are to be here on planet Earth. It was really cool. Yeah, it was a pretty interesting little speech. He seemed simultaneously, genuinely heartwarming Yeah, to see his reaction, but he was also pretty frazzled. <laughs> he was like, come on, get it together. Yeah, true. But he's great. I was really happy he got the recognition. Hopefully, Lick Heath Stanfield picks up something soon because he's also amazing. I agree. And that, I mean, apart from makeup and hairstyling, which went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Doc's PDE, which went to uh, Mank, that's about it for the Oscars. Tenet got visual effects. Yeah, that was cool. Chris, Christopher Nolan racking up the production awards over the years without ever being nominated for yeah. Best Director or Best Picture. Wow, that's so true. But yeah, really strange year. It's making me think if we should even do this again next year. <laughs> making me question everything. I think it's going to be, well, I don't know about the production itself, but I think the movies coming out in the next year probably going to be pretty cool because yeah. a lot of the bigger films were delayed. Were delayed, like Dune. I'm, I'm really interested to see what... Probably not going to be nominated, except Come on. for uh, <laughs> visual effects, probably. Yeah. Well, that's just an example. I think there will be a lot of films that will be uh, pretty pretty good. So here's to another year. Here's to another round. Another round. <laughs>